Acts 51, I'm going to preach again uh, out of the same chapter that Pastor Steve preached out of. I thought his message was so good, I'm like, I was going to preach the whole thing over again. But I'm like, you guys were here, so that'd be awkward. So instead, I, I do want to share out of the same passage. It was interesting that when I was asking God, Pastor Dustin asked me to preach out of Psalms and uh, didn't really have a message uh, out of Psalms. I haven't been preaching out of Psalms lately. But I was feeling Psalms 51, and I love what Pastor Steve said. He said, if you break the silence, God will break the cycle. Wasn't that a money line right there? It's like drop the mic, send the tweet, get ready for, for come on, just get ready for like some viral tweets. That's so powerful. Um, but today I want to talk to you uh, about what's essential. Someone say essential. If you don't know what essential means, I'll throw it up on the screens real fast. But it means, uh, it, it literally, uh, it means what is uh, absolutely necessary are indispensable. Basically, you can't live without it. And if you're here today, I love Psalms 51, and I'm not going to go as deep as Pastor Steve did because he's smarter than me and better looking. Can we be honest in church? But I want you to know my goal is I do feel like there's something that we learn about David in the lowest moment of his life. If you missed, if you missed the other week, Pastor Steve told us that David committed adultery, he committed murder, he uh, was pretty unlikable character in this narrative, and we don't like David very much. We read about this story, but we know is this is the lowest point of his entire life. Now, I know some of you today, you're like, Mark, I'm not in a low point. I get that. Some of you are in a low point. I get that. But here's the good news. Whether you're at a high or low place, what I, what I believe, and here's my thesis, and if you want to pay attention today, here's why I think you should pay attention, is that I believe that what's absolutely necessary and in, indispensable is that if you need it when you're empty, you should also need it when you're full. And if it's important to you at the bottom, I believe it also should be important to you at the top. Are you tracking with me? It's like the Lord wanted me to tell you that if you're at the top, this is important. And I feel like many people go to the top and they fall back to the bottom because they forget about what's essential. And so at the lowest point of David's life, we open up the window here and we see what he's thinking and what he's processing through. Let's read 13 verses together before we do that. My friends, uh, Philip and Tracy are here with their kiddos and uh, they're Texans and they're actually getting ready to move to Orange County, California. Why? Because they're crazy. And they're the only people like us moving to California, not from California. And so I love you guys very much. Noah and Miss Hannah, we love you guys. But Psalms 51, it says this, have mercy upon me, O God, According to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. This is right after, this is right after he gets caught in adultery and, and murdering. And it says this, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, cleanse me from my sin. I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Who, who's ever felt the guilt of sin? If you're not raising your hand, that's a sin right there. <laughs> sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned. I've done this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts and in the hidden parts. You will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones that you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out all, someone say it with me, all my iniquities, which is internal sin. Verse 10 and 11 is our focal point this morning. He says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast, say it with me, spirit. I need a steadfast spirit within me. Verse 11, do not, most important verse today, do not cast me away, the lowest moment of my life, do not cast me away 
from your presence. And God, if I had one wish above all other wishes, do not take your Holy Spirit from me. I love that. Can I read it one more time? Have mercy upon, I'm just kidding, I'm gonna go to verse 11. (laughs) You thought I was starting at the beginning. (laughs) Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. I'm gonna stop right there this morning. That's kind of my, my premise today is that David learned what was essential, most valuable, absolutely necessary, indispensable in the lowest moment of his life. Can we pray this morning? Can we have a good time? Who's up for having a good time today? All right, let's go. God, I just thank you for the privilege being at my favorite church in the great state of Texas. Really, outside of Ocean's Church, probably my favorite church in America. I thank you for that you love these people. I thank you for the privilege that it is to teach here. So many great teachers and preachers and leaders in this house. And I just ask you today, Lord, that you'd encourage these people and love them through me today. Lead them and feed them. Help us to have a good time and let us experience the power of who you are. Holy Spirit, we invite you today in Jesus' name. If you believe it, come on, say amen. Come on, say amen. amen. How many uh, have ever seen that show? It's kind of an old show here. I don't watch a ton of TV anymore. Um, but I used to watch this show, one of my favorites, called Dirty Jobs. Who remembers that show, Dirty Jobs? I couldn't tell you what channel it was on. I, I can hardly remember the, the, the host's name. He's a funny guy. Was it Michael or no? Mike Rowan? Is that his name? Yeah, he, uh, he was on there. And he's a funny guy. And he would basically go to people's jobs that were dirty, smelly, gross. I think the tagline was, is like, these people are doing nasty jobs so we can, we can do, live normal lives. Something like that. I paraphrase that. It was the message translation. <laughs> so I was like, I don't think that was it. I think the, uh, the dirtiest job I can think of, it actually physically doesn't smell, but I think the stinkiest job you could have is actually working at a, at a lost baggage counter for an airlines. Can we agree? That is a tough job. You gotta have the fruit of the spirit to work at that counter. Because all day long, you are working with people that are livid, angry, and wanna kill you. Because they went to the airport, who's been there before? You checked your bag in, you're like, hey, we're going from Boise to Dallas, it's a nonstop flight. You show up four hours early, and all they had to do was take it from there and put it on the plane. And you show up to Dallas. You go to the little circle thing that moves. You wait there for 240 hours. Everyone's bag shows up except yours. And you have to do that walk of shame. You know the walk of shame? Like, guess it's not coming. And you walk to that little office where that poor soul works. And there's really like three lines in the office. There's the line like, okay, angry people line up right here. Livid people in the middle. And those that want to find out my address and strangle me later right here. And they're working with people all day long. They're like, where's my bag? You lost my bag. It's like, they didn't lose your bag. Someone that works for the airline lost your bag. They just have the job that you see. And I'll never forget, I lost my bag on a couple of occasions, so now I just carry on everywhere. But I'll never forget, Delta gave me, uh, they said, look, your bag's lost. It's in Madagascar. Um, <laughs> good news, it'll be here in two months, and uh, we'll ship it right to your house. It's great. So in the meantime, they pulled out from underneath the counter, and it said Delta on this little zipper, like first aid kit, and it said essentials. So I'm like, oh, essentials. <laughs> Educate me on what the essentials of travel are. So I unzipped this little pouch, and it had a comb, which I haven't used a comb since I was four. 
It had a little toothbrush that broke in half and folded into each other. It had generic deodorant. It had hospital socks. And it had a uh, quadruple large XL parachute white t-shirt. And they said, this, these are the essentials. I'm like, oh, I've been overpacking all these years. Thanks for showing me what the essentials are. So funny, I started thinking about this funny idea, and I've heard comedians talk about this before, but I was thinking like, it's funny that, you know, when you lose everything, what's really essential to you? It's weird that what you, what you need when you have nothing seems to be sometimes different than what you desire when you already have everything. Are you following with me? Like when they lose your bag, you're like, oh my gosh, I have a meeting tomorrow and I don't have my suit. That is essential. But when you have your suitcase and your carry-on and your backpack and your purse and your fanny pack and you got it all going on, it's like, oh, did I bring my third pair of jogging shorts? I don't have my third pair of running shoes. I don't have my tennis shoes, my golf shoes. Oh my God, I forgot, I forgot my third polo t-shirt. It's crazy that when you have everything that you've ever wanted, what you would consider essential can sometimes be different than what you have or what you need when you have nothing. And my premise this morning, my big idea, my thesis, my sermon is, I believe that David reveals to us at the lowest moment of his life when he's the most empty, what is the most essential, valuable thing to him in his life. And my contention is, is that what's the most invaluable us at the, what's, what's the most valuable to us at the bottom has to stay the most valuable to us while we're at the top. Are you tracking? I feel like so many people, they realize at rock bottom what's really important in life. You get in an argument about your wife, you're mad for two days, you give each other the silent treatment, and then you go to a funeral and you're like, why are we mad? Why are we not, like, why are we upset? Why, why am I upset at my kids? Why? It's crazy that when you, when you experience tragedy, you get a phone call, man, so-and-so's mom just passed away, and so-and-so just went through this tragedy. It's crazy how when you're in low moments of life, you discover what's really, really valuable. Stop arguing over petty stuff. Getting upset about things that don't really matter. And I love this idea that David, he says, look, Psalms 51, verse 10 and 11, he says, look, you can lose a lot of things in life. You can lose a job. You can lose a house. You can lose a car. You can go through a bankruptcy. You can make it through a divorce. You can, you can go through tragedy. One thing I have learned in my life, David writes, that I cannot afford to live without the Holy Spirit. David realized only like a few people in the Old Testament that the Holy Spirit gave him the power to become who he became. David saw firsthand how weird people get when the Spirit of God leaves their life. He saw this really popular, like this really electric, charismatic leader by the name of Saul get selected to be the king, the first king of all of Israel. He saw how this guy was mighty, he got prophetic in moments, that he had wisdom at moments, he was a great king at moments, but he saw that when the Holy Spirit left Saul's life, he saw how weird he got so fast. So he's like, look man, I made a big mistake, I have murdered, I've committed adultery, I, I don't deserve the love and the mercy of God, but God, if you're gonna hear any prayer this morning, can I, can I just pray one thing? At the bottom, when I'm the emptiest, I want you to know what I need the most. I need the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, there's only a select few people that had the Holy Spirit. There's like skilled artisans that built the church. The Bible describes them as people that were full of the Holy Spirit. There was people like Moses that were full of the Spirit of God. It says that Joseph had the Spirit of God inside of him. 
Daniel was described as a man that had the wisdom and the spirit of God inside of him. Samson did great exploits when the spirit of God came upon him. And there's a handful of people in the Old Testament that God selected to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But it's interesting that we always think in Pentecostal churches that the Holy Spirit was born in Acts 2. He was in the beginning. He's 33.33% of who God is. Are you following me? And most churches are fine with God the Father. He's the old school OG. Jesus is, is like the winter ball and, pom, and prom king. He's popular. He's most likely to succeed. We love Jesus. We talk about him. We brag about him. We do pep rallies. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. But you mentioned the Holy Spirit, the third part of the Trinity. We're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Pump the brakes. I've been to a Holy Spirit church. Church was crazy. Some eccentric personalities in that church. Never seen so many shofars and banners. I don't know, man. I'm being real. And there's two extremes when you say the Holy Spirit is an essential thing. Is, there's two extremes. Is one camp's like, absolutely, preach. It's about dang time. Where have you been? Preaching on the Holy Spirit. And there's the other camp that's like, I got to go. It's going to get weird in here fast. And I told Orange County, my church, I said, guys, I want to teach you about one of the greatest assets God's ever given humanity. Let's say it like this. The greatest gift given to humanity was Jesus Christ. But the greatest gift that Jesus ever gave us was the Holy Spirit. Here's the good news, is that you don't have to be David, Samson, Daniel, Joseph, Esther, to have access to the Holy Spirit. Today, God's not choosing you, uh, you get to choose him. Are you following me? And many people, they live without the privilege and the power and the advantage and the essential awesomeness of the Holy Spirit. I want to say this very upfront, very honest, because again, I know you get pushed back when you talk about, teach on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not weird. Good spot for an amen right there. He's not weird. Who's met someone that's full of the Holy Spirit that is weird? Go ahead, raise your hand. Please raise it so no one suspects that it's you. There are spirit-filled people that are weird. I'm a pastor. I get paid to tell the truth. These people would be weird without the Holy Spirit. Can we agree in the church? But what I found is, is that people are so scared when you talk about the Holy Spirit, New Testament, the book of Acts. It's like, look, I just want, I love God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Scriptures. Leave. Let's just leave some of the charismania. Let's leave that somewhere else. But my fear is, is that I believe that the Holy Spirit is a great advantage. And I believe that David shows us in the Old Testament, he goes, look, I can live without a lot of things, but God, if you take anything away other than the Holy Spirit, I can make it, but not without the Holy Spirit. Today, if you're here, you're like, Mark, what's so important about the Holy Spirit? Well, I believe the Holy Spirit is the power of God. I actually believe that Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. It says that, it, like, like literally, people go, Mark, what's the Holy Spirit like? He's like Jesus. What would he do? He would do what Jesus would do. How does the Holy Spirit feel about kids the same way Jesus feels about kids? How does he feel about love? He feels the same way Jesus felt about love. We sometimes associate like they're two different temperaments, two different DNAs. Jesus was full with the spirit of the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to an airport, but I'll be honest with you, man. One of my least favorite things is showing up to an airport that doesn't have an escalator. Can we agree? First world problems. You ever walk around a corner like you're like flying on one of those little like puddle jumpers and you walk around, you're like, oh gosh. It's like a big organized hill called stairs. I don't like stairs. 
especially when I have all my clothes in my carry-on because I'm scared of my bag getting lost. 65-pound suitcase. You ever met someone, you ever got on an escalator and there's like that, that person behind you trying to walk up the escalator? Just turn around, you gotta tell them, settle down, weirdo. We're all going to the same place. Let me enjoy this blissful moment of balance as you're going up the escalator. You ever seen the guy at the airport that chooses the stairs willfully? What's wrong with that guy? That's the gluten-free, CrossFit, paleo. I got something to prove. I got something to prove. I got something to prove. Look at me. I'm fit. I'm burning calories right now. It's like, what's wrong with you? This thing's free. Did your mom not tell you the escalator is free? It's crazy that stairs and escalators go to the same place, but one is a completely different experience. I believe that you can live your whole life without the Holy Spirit and make it to heaven. I believe, the Bible is clear, that you, you call on the name of the Lord Jesus, you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth, you are on your way to the same place that I'm on my way to. But I believe that your experience on the earth will be completely different than my experience on the earth. Because I love the holy escalator called the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit will take you to the same place. It's just way less self-work of I'm trying to be godly. I gotta be better, talk better, think better. I gotta act more like Jesus. This is so hard. I'm not good enough. I'm not successful. I'm failing. I'm losing. I got a bad attitude. And you're working your way up the stairs and you feel better about yourself because that's what religion does. Religion likes to brag about how hard it works. Woe is me, woe is, I'm trying my best. But the Holy Spirit's free. And he's not for charismaniacs, he's for anyone that calls on the name of Jesus. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me say this, way: you can be converted to Christianity and not be filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 19, you can look at that verse later, but Paul comes into the city, he's like, hey, did you guys receive the Holy Spirit when you believed and you were converted? Why in the world would you ask somebody, hey, did you receive the Holy Spirit in, when, when you were converted and you believed in Jesus? If they were the same thing, there would be no excuse or explanation for this, this comment. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you were converted to Christianity? Obviously, these guys weren't functioning with the fruit of the Holy Spirit. They were angry. And he's like, you guys, you guys are going to heaven, but you're taking the stairs. No one told you this thing's free over here. You're sweating and huffing and puffing, doing all this type of perspiring. This thing's free, baby. All you got to do is ask him for the Holy Spirit. Said he laid hands on him, and these guys received the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's powerful, man. People think he's a force, like at Star Wars land. He's not a force. He's not an it. And I really caution you if, you, if you grew up in a church that said, oh, that Holy Spirit stuff, that's demonic. I, I, would, I would really, uh, I'd advise against ever using the phrase demonic or devilish in the same breath or school of thought as the Spirit of God. Just my personal warning. I would be so bold to say that if you ask for the Holy Spirit and you think that someone taught you along the way that you ask for the Holy Spirit, but he fills you up with some demonic idea or demonic tongue or demonic this or demonic that, I want to ask you a logical question today. If you ask God for a best friend and tomorrow you meet someone that's your best friend, how many says, God, answer my prayer? Three people. Okay, you don't want to participate. 
Do an altar call for sin right now. <laughs> How many say, I need a job, God? Would you please give me a job? And tomorrow, come on, indeed hires you up, calls you. God, answer my prayer. Who says, God, answer my prayer? I asked for it, and it came. So why is it you think that God hears all prayers freely, openly, and answers them, but you say, God, fill me with the Holy Spirit, and he gives you some power, or there's a, there's a demonstration of power, and all of a sudden it's like the devil intercepted, God, give me more of your spirit. He intercepts it, nice try. <laughs> Tried to be godly, that ain't happening. Here's Bezelbub instead. We're laughing, but you know the truth is? Acts chapter 2, it says the Holy Spirit was there when the church started. The church was started in a prayer meeting when the Holy Spirit showed up. You know, it's crazy that when he showed up, there was only three reactions. They were amazed, they were perplexed, and they were mocking. There's three responses to the Spirit of God. People that, that love him, I'm amazed. Lord, I'm amazed, right? By you. Bad voice. Good God. There's amazed people, there's perplexed, which I feel like most North American Christians, we live in the perplexed category. Well, I, think, I don't think he's bad. I don't think he's like, we, I, I just, I don't really understand it. I mean, I, I read about the scriptures and it's hard to kind of brush under the rug all the Holy Spirit references and speaking in a prayer language and like the power and prophecy and the gifts and the fivefold ministry and the power of the early church. Like, it's all there but I don't really understand it fully, so let's just like, let's stick to the main stuff, like Easter. <laughs> but it's crazy, right, that in the early church, it says that when the Holy Spirit came, 120 Jews walked out into the city. It was basically during Mardi Gras, like just kind of giving you, there's all these different nations in their city. 17 nations represented, 17 languages represented, and a bunch of Jews walk out into the city speaking fluent in other people's languages. The wonderful works of God in Portuguese, in Swahili, in Spanish, in all these different dialects, right? Mandarin, Cantonese, and they're speaking, and all these people are like, whoa, they just came out of a prayer meeting, they came out of church, they're, they're Jews speaking in our language fluently, and really there was three, three categories. They're like, that's amazing. Some are like, that's kind of weird. And others are like, must be beer. <laughs> Miller time, happy hour. They've been boozing. <laughs> Must be drunk with wine. Isn't this crazy to think that people are so scared by what they don't understand about God that they would put more faith in something way less logical? You're speaking fluent Portuguese? You must be drinking alcohol. I would be flipping fluent. <laughs> I would have passed Spanish. And I'd have my doctor's degree in linguistics in high school if drinking alcohol made you better at foreign languages. Before you judge me, I wasn't a Christian yet, so just come on, just saying. But that's what society does, is we're so threatened and scared by what we don't understand about God, that we're like, either amazed, awesome Jesus, or I don't know, maybe it's okay, perplexed, or nah, it's, it's fake. It's a tele televangelist. They just want money for their jets and da 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 da. And because there's been abuse, we just push back on all of it. You ever heard the phrase, don't flush the baby out with a. People over 40 know that one. <laughs> the wasteful generation. 
I want you to know the Holy Spirit is real. And I did a whole series, like six weeks, so I can't really cram all of it in this little 30 minutes time slot. But I would just suggest, suggest to you today that David knew more than anything else in life that he needed the Holy Spirit. He needed the Holy Spirit because you know what the Holy Spirit does? He has two primary jobs. Number one, he gives you the power to do what God wants you to do. And he gives you the power to be what God wants you to be. Can I say it real clear? God gives you the power to do what he wants you to do. And he gives you the ability to be what God wants you to be. Some of you are like, I'm so frustrated. I, I want to be more like Jesus, but I just can't do it. And I want, I'll be honest, you can't do it without the Holy Spirit. You can write this down. It's hard to be godly without God. I love God. I have a heart for God, but my mind's not godly. It's really hard to be like God without having the same spirit that God had. We want apostolic results, but we want domesticated gasoline. So I want the miracles of the early church, but I want to do it in a very conservative, organized, controlled fashion. I don't want any messes. I don't want any theology that I can't explain. And some people believe in churches like, well, God doesn't do miracles anymore. God doesn't speak anymore. I always think it's funny when pastors get up and they, like, these dispensationalist pastors and they go, the Holy Spirit stopped doing great exploits. He stopped speaking to the early church fathers. And I'm like, then who called you to ministry? You said you were called to ministry. How did you, if he doesn't speak anymore, I got called to ministry, but he doesn't speak. That makes sense. Must be beer. <laughs> You know, I'm sick of, I'm tired of our generation being scared of the power that makes us who we are. I am unashamedly, I'm telling you right now, I, I, I've been in Christian churches my whole life, but it wasn't until I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit that it changed me. You can go to church your whole life, friend. Going to church makes you like Jesus, like owning an oven makes you a baker. It helps, but it is not evidence by itself. Some of you are here today, you're like, Mark, I want to be like Jesus. Then you know what you need? You need the spirit that Jesus had. Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. It said he had the spirit without measure. Was Jesus weird? I don't think so. So why are you scared of him? You want to paint like Mozart or, or write music like Mozart? He might have painted. You need the spirit of Mozart. You want to write poetry like Shakespeare, you need the spirit of Shakespeare. You want to, you want to be able to paint like Michelangelo, you got to have the spirit of Michelangelo. And if you want to see and live the lifestyle that Jesus lived, you got to have the spirit that Jesus had. It's free. And if I could be, be so bold, I feel like so many Christians today are just taking the stairs because they're scared of what they don't know about the escalator. I don't know how it works. I don't know how it works either. I don't know how the, it's pushing people up. I don't know. Where's the engine? I have no idea. How much does it cost? No clue. But I know all I got to do is balance. Get on it. I feel like preaching in here. The Holy Spirit is referred to as a dove. You know what's interesting about doves? Is doves are, one of their superpowers is they can live almost anywhere, except they cannot live in extreme environments. They can't live in Antarctica, and they can't live in the Sahara Desert. And I believe that many churches are actually kicking the Holy Spirit out because they're either too dry and hot or they're too cold and sterile. He'll acclimate, 
to a balanced environment. Doves were messenger birds. The Holy Spirit is a messenger. In Genesis chapter 8, man, I could preach this morning if I had time. Genesis chapter 8, after the flood, God dealt with all of the sin. It kind of, it's a foreshadow of what God would do through Jesus. What Jesus did on the cross, Noah did through the ark. The ark represents the church. And it's interesting that when God dealt with all the sin in the world, that the ark was what was left, right? Jesus dies on the cross, bursts the church, the ark. He says, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. What did Noah do after sin was dealt with on the earth? He let out two birds. The first bird was a raven. The raven didn't do anything helpful because ravens are flesh-eating birds. And it was a type and shadow that out of the church, there's two types of, of spirits. There's a carnal spirit that feeds on the flesh. It's a raven nature. But he says, after the raven came, he sent the dove. And he sent the dove the first time, and the dove had nowhere to land. And it reminds me of today in the church that the dove tries to go into the church, but most churches are so busy running from the dove. He wants to land on the church, but they're like, I don't know. I like service without the dove. We get done on time without the dove. I don't miss the first quarter of the game. And I'm not saying long church services are good by themselves. But I'd rather go to a church that ends a little late with the Holy Spirit than a church that ends right on time without him. It says he had nowhere to land. But it's interesting that when he came back the second time, he came back with an olive branch in his mouth. Olive branches, come on, olives are what makes the anointing. You know when church is fun is when the anointing's there. I sense the anointing coming in this room right now. I didn't really get in my notes. But I feel the Holy Spirit. And I sent some of you like, Mark, I grew up at a really anti-Holy Spirit church. And here's what I wanted. I did this in Orange County. So many people saw Charismania in Orange County that I feel like I'm trying to tell people like, hey, I know you saw abuse. I know you saw misuse. I know, I know your mistrust. But can I ask you today to just say, Holy Spirit, if you are real, if you are good, and if, if you reveal more of Jesus to me, I want all of you that I can have. I'm not asking you to be crazy. I'm not asking you to roll on the floor or dance. I'm just asking you to say, you know, Mark, I feel something inside of me saying, I can't live like Jesus without his spirit. David said, I failed, I screwed up, but the only way I make it out of this failure is if the Holy Spirit comes in. And I have a suspicion that some of you are in a situation that you'll never make it out of without the help of the helper, the Holy Spirit. He is the divine advantage. Stop living with power, or excuse me, roll up manual windows, and let the Holy Spirit give you power. Some of you are old enough to remember these windows. Who remembers these windows? Some young, young people are like, what's he doing? You can Google it. Before power windows, you just had to do it manually. It'd be a stoplight. Remember you roll down one window and it starts blowing your eardrums out? So you have to roll down a, nowadays you just hit, hit another button. Back in the day, you rolled one window down, you had to reach across, you had to be ambidextrous and double jointed <laughs> to roll down other windows. Some of you are living your life on the stairs. And if I could just lovingly tell you, there is a free escalator. His name is the Holy Spirit. And if you've grieved him, you've talked bad about him, that's weird, that stuff's crazy. Listen, there are some crazy churches that are spirit-filled, but that does not make the Holy Spirit crazy. You hear me today. And if I could just, if I, if I feel anything, I feel this, I feel like, man, God, if we shut down the Holy Spirit in church, 
we're actually cutting the power that made us who we were to begin with. Some of you are like, well, I'm scared of the mess. I'd rather have a little mess with the Holy Spirit than to have complete order in nothing. That's what I had to land on. Dustin's in the same boat I'm in. We, we love the Holy Spirit. Your favorite teachers and preachers, they're full of the Holy Spirit. Your favorite songwriters, they're full of the Holy Spirit. People that shake the world, full of the Holy Spirit. The gospel went from Palestine in a corner to Rome before Caesar because 11 young people were full of the Holy Spirit. You show me someone that changes the world, shakes the earth, I'll show you the Holy Spirit's fingerprints on their life. Thanks for listening to the Church 1132 broadcast. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com.